0: You're listening to the Toolstation Western League Podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott.
1: Welcome to episode 11 of the Toolstation Western League Podcast with me, Ian Knockolds, and I'm delighted to welcome on the line Tom Hiscott, uh, non-league paper journalist. Tom, what a fantastic weekend of football we've had. Not just in the league itself, but of course, that epic FA Vars quarterfinal featuring our very own Buckland Athletic.
2: Yeah, the result not going quite the way we want, but uh, a dramatic weekend and plenty of big games to talk
1: about. We have, and good crowds as well throughout the whole of the Western League, which is, um, is really is really pleasing to see. We are, of course, talking about the fixtures that have taken place over the 18th and the 19th of February, and we will start this episode of the podcast by talking about that Buckland game. They are away at Bromsgrove sporting, of course, the conquerors of Bristol Manor Farm in the previous round, and unfortunately, as you alluded to before, Tom, and Buckland went the same way as our league leaders.
2: Uh, a 2-0 defeat for Buckland. Uh, a, a story of two penalties, really. Uh, Buckland in the first half having the chance to go ahead, but unfortunately Lloyd Gardner uh, saw his spot kick saved by the keeper. Uh, and then on the hour mark, Bromsgrove had their own penalty and managed to managed to uh, break the deadlock through Liam Stink, uh, with then Chris Lloyd adding another goal later on. And it's them who go to the, the semi-finals, and Buckland's terrific run uh, comes to an end, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, in front of a huge crowd, nearly 3,000 people, I believe, was the official attendance at that uh, that game. Nearly as many as as Melksham get. I'm only joking. Of course, but uh, on a serious note, I would say as much, I've really enjoyed over the last few weeks speaking to Ellis Late, the Buckland manager. He's a, he's um, a real thinker of the game, and um, he you know the architect, no doubt, of not only their great league form but also that incredible cut run. And I say the word incredible; it's often overused in sport. But what we shouldn't forget about Buckland's form in the Vars this season is that every game, apart from one, has been away from home, including this epic encounter at a very vocal I'm. Sure, sure, Bromsgrove Sporting, so the fact that they made it to the quarter-final and, you know, as you said, you know, in the first half, things could have been very different mm. um, you know, is a real testament to the side and, 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 and the quality at the top of the Western League at the moment
2: Oh, 100%, they they should really be, be proud of their effort uh, to come this far in the competition as you say, With plenty of away games on the, on on their road to the quarter-finals um, yeah, ultimate respect to them and unfortunately, it had to come to an end
1: um, well then, that moves us into the results for, um, for from Saturday the 18th of February. We start in the Premier Division, as of course we always do, and we'll start at Bradford Town, who were at home to Basement Boys Hallam.
2: Yep, yeah, and Bradford uh, in front of a crowd of over 100, which is good to see. They got a 3-1 win over Hallam, who are back to losing ways, unfortunately. Uh, Dan Cottle scoring twice for Bradford, uh, with Kane Simpson, who's in extremely good form at the moment, uh, grabbing a third. And uh, Bradford uh,
1: getting the three-one win at Trowbridge Road. Yeah, another good side that's in good form is Brislington, If you'd have told me this when I saw them a couple of weeks ago at the Oakfield Stadium, I, um, I would have, um, I would have, I wouldn't have believed you. But they've been in, they've been in a good run of form of late, and another impressive home victory.
2: Yeah, and a crucial game for them, and uh, it was a, a big win. A, a 4-0 one for, for Brislington over Bitten. Uh, in, an enjoyable game by all, all accounts, and a double for James Batchelor, uh, helping them on their way uh, with further goals from Mike Rimmer and uh, Alex Lambert. Uh, unfortunately for Bitten, they sort of drop into the, the relegation battle again, um, and this would have been a, a game they maybe would have targeted, but uh, they, were, they were put to the sword, unfortunately.
1: Certainly were. Now, Kebri um, Heath were at home to Bridport.
2: Cadbury Heath. Another solid home win. The third uh, was discussed in a row here. Uh, They did all their damage in the first half, uh, beating Bridport 3-0, thanks to goals from uh, Dave Asbury, Matt Britton and uh, Matt Huxley, who's now up to 38 goals in all competitions this season. A mightily impressive effort. Uh, And as you said, as I said, uh, three goals before half-time, and that's how it finished 3-0 to to Cabre Heath.
1: Gillingham Town were at home to Chipping Sodbury Town.
2: Indeed, uh, a share of the points between Gillingham and uh, Chipping Sodbury. Uh, Sodbury were two-nil up, uh, thanks to goals from Benjamin Dowdle and uh, George Bolt. Uh, but Gillingham managed to fight back, uh, and after a penalty from Philornrod had reduced the arrears, uh, Harry Baker notched a leveller uh, one, minute of time, uh, one minute from time. Pardon me to, to grab a share of the points.
1: Now, none of these big crowds um, we had this weekend, and it was at Longwell Green Sports who entertained & Rovers.
2: Yeah, and an away win, uh, the first, uh, first we've mentioned so far. And for willand uh, 2-0, 2-0 win at Shellards Road. Uh, goals from Matthew Dawson and Fletcher Williams were the difference between the sides there.
1: It won't surprise you to know that the biggest uh, attendance of the weekend was at Melksham Town, at their Oakfield Stadium. Uh, but what will surprise the listeners, I'm sure, is the scoreline.
2: Yeah, first home league defeat for Melksham at their new stadium. Uh, 2-0 against Shepton Mallet, who obviously aren't below Melksham in the table. Uh, Melsham would have actually gone second if they could have uh, prevailed yesterday afternoon Uh, but it wasn't to be and uh, two goals in the final 15 minutes uh, decided this fixture for Shepton Mallet with Comrade Peck opening the scoring uh, before Joe Morgan doubled the lead uh, six minutes later and they held on for a a mightily impressive win.
1: And Shepton now have done the double over Melksham Town. That was something that Darren Perrin alluded to in the interview I did with him in last week's um, podcast. He certainly wasn't taking Shepton Mallet lightly, and um, that uh, that home defeat just goes to prove why.
2: Ah. And just their third league defeat of the season, Melton altogether. So a uh, really, really, really impressive win for
1: Shepton. Yeah, and of course, good news for the for the other teams at the top of the table, including mm, Buckland, indeed. of course, who have uh, got one less thing to worry about now in their chase for the top. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to catch up with Shepton manager Craig Loxton to get his thoughts on that Melton game and a topsy turvy season for Shepton Mallet. I started off by asking Craig for his thoughts on the impressive win at Oakfields on Saturday.
3: Yeah, it, it was a brilliant performance. To be fair, to, to sum it up in one, um, our results have been a bit inconsistent lately. Lately, so we were going there sort of, you know, to put on a put on a hard show because we knew it would be a, a tough game against them. And we um, we changed our formation. We normally play 4-4-2, but we went to uh, 3-5-2 um, Saturday because obviously we knew Melsham are quite a direct team. They're big and they're strong, so we thought we thought we counteract that and go with a three centre centre-ass in a crowd out the midfield and it and it just worked the plan worked brilliantly we uh, we frustrated them and hit them on the counter attack with two two great goals and could have could have been towards the end of the game could have been 4-0 so to to win 2-0 against a top 3 team was uh, was brilliant for us
1: so, i mean it was it was nil all at half time um, w- w- was everything going according to plan at that at that point
3: yeah it was like before the game obviously because we haven't played 3-5-2 before this season but I've, I've been thinking about it in my mind for the last like couple of weeks and um, I decided to go with it on a Saturday and um, obviously the, the plan was to frustrate them and they, they had a few chances you know they're not third in the league for for no reason they're, they're good at what they do and um, so we got to the half time and I said just keep doing what we're doing because we grew into the game towards as the end of the first half we had a couple of half chances and the same in the second half so keep doing we'll, we'll, our time will come and it did we we, we broke down the left and the uh, ball went into Tyson Pollard he sided Comran Peck and we went through and scored and then the same with the second goal the ball's got played through to Joe Morgan it's a great individual goal he's beat two defenders and slotted it past the goalkeeper so the game plan was it, it was just to basically stifle them and hit them on the counter attack and, and that's what happened and it worked well for us
1: Because you're something of a bogey team for Malksham because you've already um, you've already beaten them at your place this season haven't you?
3: Yeah that's right you beat them earlier on in the season so, Um we beat them uh, 3-1 it was and we were convincing winners that day it's just I was speaking to Darren Perrin their manager before the game and he said like you know you're the only team that sort of beat us this season so to take six points from them is you know is is a great scoop for us really so um Hopefully we can carry that on into next week.
1: I mean, you alluded to your inconsistent form. It's probably why you're in the mid-table, really, because you you know you don't draw too many, but if you don't win, you tend to you tend to lose. You've you've lost in recent weeks to Brislington and to um, Bristol Manor Farm. So going to Melksham, um, you you must have been concerned that that um, in and out form was uh, was going to continue.
3: Yeah, that's right. Obviously, it's it's probably been a pattern for us throughout the uh, the season, um, up and down results. But I think a lot of it comes down to actually the, the team that we can get out on the field on the Saturday, because we have struggled quite a lot recently with players being unavailable, injury, illness, and so on. So, but well, I know when we've actually got our our fittest, strongest squad available, we're more than a match for anybody. And obviously, the Manor Farm game, like we we was like one or half time, and we was in there, and that was a plan. We were at a very depleted team that day, and we knew we were up against it because they're a very good team. And, second half like a few of the lads you know we conceded early in in the heads sort of drop but it's just about sort of picking them up again and going again and like you said with the inconsistent results obviously I keep drumming into the boys it's all about consistency like performing well one week doing doing the the same again next week so hopefully we got Longwell Green at home who are not doing too good themselves hopefully we can turn that into another three points
1: well, uh, it's a good time to go on a on a run towards the end of the season. Have you got a target for where you'd like to finish?
3: Well, yeah, I think I've looked at our fixtures. I think out of the top 6, we've only got one of those sides left to play. So we've got the teams all in around us still to play and I know a few teams have got a game in hand on us, but we're, we're ninth at the moment, so I, I really want a, a top 10 finish. So I think it'd be a great achievement from where we sort of where we've come this season because we have had a lot of uh ups and downs obviously a managerial change from last season and then obviously halfway through this season also doesn't help things with sort of player stability etc so you know if we can uh, if we can finish in, in the top 10 I'll, I'll be very happy with that
1: You alluded to the disruption obviously you started this season as a player you've now stepped into the managerial position although you're not playing at the moment I think you've had an injury haven't you?
3: Yeah I broke my um, I broke my foot last Saturday against Odd down at home um which wasn't the best news, but um, yeah, so I'm in a footcast now for um, for probably about uh, next few weeks up to a month. So um, I'll be uh, sort of mainly concentrating on the um, managerial side of things. So hopefully I can put all of my um, all of my effort into that really, and obviously not worry about the playing side.
1: But you're 32 years young. There's life in the old dog yet. Do you do you? Yeah, want... there is. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you want to carry on playing, or do you do you um, do you, do you see that your role now is is that in management?
3: Yeah, I'm sort of obviously at that age now. I think I've I've probably got another year or two left at this level playing. Um, Obviously, in the back of my mind, I am sort of, you know, I'm I'm thinking about the future. You know, I've got my coaching badges. So, you know, I have sort of realistically interest in going down that side. But obviously, whether that be as an assistant and then moving into a managerial position, I don't know, it is something I am interested in doing. So I think that's why when I... The opportunity came my way to take Shepton. I, I grabbed it with both hands because you know it's a great club, and you know for anyone to manage there, it, you know it's a great opportunity. That's where I went to choose to do that.
1: It, it's certainly an ambitious club. It's got a big reputation in the Western League. You're a, It's your hometown club, so it must be something of a dream come true to get the opportunity to be to be manager, even if it is an even if it is in difficult circumstances.
3: Yeah, it is. Yeah, like, I've always I've uh, played my career. Sort of, I've always travelled around um have at various at different clubs playing sort of you know all over the country etc so I knew I would always come back to Shepton. Obviously, you know, I live in Shepton, my family's here, so I knew I'd come back. So when I, Andrew Jones I went left Bridgewater to come back, Andrew Jones will be back. And um I played there for the last two seasons and obviously this season I've took over the took over running the managerial side of it. So yeah, I'm I'm very happy to do that. And it is a great club, you know, there's a lot of good people behind the scenes. There's fantastic facilities there. You know, it's all geared up to, you know, to go up to Southern League, so it's just obviously about getting it right on the pitch, you know, to make that, to make that push forward.
1: Um, Odd Down, um, they were at home to Wells City. Yeah, I hope the, uh, the fans in attendance didn't turn up late for this one, because it was
2: 1-0 to Odd Down, uh, and the only goal came after just 30 seconds, uh, from Charlie Madison, uh, and they grabbed a 1-0 home win against Wells, uh, back to winning ways, for Odd Down.
1: And, uh, sherborne town they were at home to clevedon town
2: yeah clevedon struck very late in this fixture to take a 2-1 win away at sherborne which was uh, good going for them uh, they took the lead early on through uh, isaac breed uh, before sherborne equalized for anthony Heron just before half time uh, but then with five minutes left clevedon managed to, to find a winner with sam down's effort trickling in off the post and it's uh, them who run away with the three points
1: now um High Flying Street um, were at home to Bristol Manor Farm in a game that we described last week, Tom, as the as the standout match in the in the Tool Station Western League. Five goals it was, and I don't think it disappointed.
2: Oh, definitely not. It lived up to the billing, didn't it? Um, Bristol Manor Farm, they've managed to, managed to do it. They now lead the league by 11 points, a 3-2 win, away at Street in front of an extremely impressive crowd uh, of 214. And it was Manor Farm who took the lead early on through Harley Pernell from the spot uh, and then they doubled their lead with top scorer uh, Dean Stamp scoring uh, his I believe his 20th league goal of the season uh, but Streak managed to fight back and uh, goals from Steve Murray and David O'Hare had them in the ascendancy which was increased even more when Bristol Farm were restricted to 10 men when Martin Stoll was uh, given a red card for pulling down the last man who was through on goal. But that came to nothing for Street and it was incredibly uh, Bristol Manor Farm. the 10 men of Bristol Manor Farms who scored a really really late winner uh, through Troy Simpson and as I say they now lead the league by 11 points and have uh, run away with uh, the league title uh, by the looks of it but um, in their toughest fixture uh, in the running and they've managed to come out on top which is uh, really impressive
1: yeah and and um... I mean I I did say in the podcast a few weeks ago I thought they looked very good at Melksham. They've still got to go to Melksham, but that fixture of course doesn't quite have the um the box office that it uh, mm-hmm. that it did before Melksham fell at home to Shepton I and mean, we should have we should have, of course say um, you know well city earned that uh, notable draw in the w- um, previous week against right. Merthyr. So yeah. Bristol Manor Farm looking in ominous form. I did allude at that time to the fact that I thought that they could go for the rest of the season unbeaten, and um, I'm pleased to say that uh, that that prediction is still on. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, pre- I'm not presenting the podcast in my <laughs> underpants just yet. Um, but um, anyway, I-, I tell you what, Tom, um, I-, I will present the uh, the podcast in my underpants if Bristol Manor Farm don't win this, uh, uh, don't <laughs> win the league. But then again. We'll they're in an
2: extremely good position now, aren't
1: they? Yeah, well, of course nobody. Well, it's just good news for the listeners that they don't get to see me, because um, <laughs> unfortunately I haven't got the uh, I haven't got the physique of Gary Lineker. But anyway, I don't think any of us do, do we? Well, Gary Lineker does. Um, <laughs> bless him. Anyway, let's moving swiftly on before you know, this becomes <laughs> cool. X-rated. We do have as a family show, right there. We're going to move now into the into the first division. And then um, we start with Almondsbury-Urie in a seven-goal thriller at home to Wincanton Town.
2: Yeah, and Almondsbury, who are bottom of the table, unfortunately, on the wrong end of this result again, uh, losing 4-3. Uh, Wincanton, uh, who are the 3rd uh, highest scorers in the division despite sitting in mid-table, they went ahead in the 11th minute through Tom Morris. It became a, a bit of a two-and-throw game with Almondsbury sort of going behind but coming back. It got to two all before uh, Connor Williams' 20th season, 20th goal of the season uh, put Wincanton three-two ahead. Which Tom Morris, as I mentioned, just scored his second of the game to make it four-two. Uh, with Danny Lane's late goal for Almondsbury, uh, proving to, to be just a consolation, and it was Wincanton who came away with the three points.
1: Well, Ashton and Backwell were at home to Warminster Town. Of course, we um, spoke to the uh, the Warminster manager last uh, last week on the podcast. Things looking pretty good um, for them. But uh, well, I don't I, I don't know if we're going to augur in the curse of the podcast because the wheels came spectacularly off at Ashton and Backwell, didn't
2: they? Well, they met a team in banging form in, in Ashton and Backwell who enjoyed a, a big five one win uh, over Warminster. Aaron Reed was the main man for Ashton, scoring hat trick. Uh, with Miles Howardridge and Ryan Crouch also on the score sheet and the Stags now sit 6th in the table uh, really, really good form for them
1: Bishops Lydiard were at home to Chard Town
2: Yeah, another late goal uh, helping them to the 3 points, Bishops Lydiard, a 2-1 win uh, They went ahead early on when Andy Butler headed home across uh, before Chard hit back 17 minutes from time with Luke Jackson scoring from the penalty spot uh, but the, the home side had just enough in them and uh, Charlie Wilson struck just six minutes from time to give them their sixth win in their last seven fixtures.
1: Now the travelling Green Army, um, have we got any cause for an upturn in form for poor old Welton Rovers? They visited Chippenham Park at the weekend.
2: Wasn't to be on Saturday unfortunately and uh, Chippenham Park fifth fifth win in five, sorry fifth win in six fixtures uh, with a goal from Ben Pring helping them to all three points uh, in a 1-0 win over Welton.
1: Devises Town, uh, impressive win over uh, Roman Glass and George. Unfortunately, not that many people there to see it.
2: Unfortunately, not, I and mean, this was Devises, who hadn't won since December. Um, definitely uh, <laughs> returning to form in some fashion. A 5 1 win at home to Roman Glass and George. Uh, man of the match, Tom Slater scored twice, uh, with further uh, goals from Jordan Matthews, Ali Bradley, and uh, Rob Mitchell.
1: Well, we've, if we were disappointed with the uh, with the attendance of fifty two that turned up for that Devises game, I think um, hats off to Malmesbury Victoria. They had the highest attendance in the first division. They had the third highest attendance in the Tool Station Western League uh, for their game against uh, Westbury United. Unfortunately, the home fans wouldn't, wouldn't have gone home particularly pleased.
2: No, and uh, my favourite named ground in the uh, in in the, second, in the first division. Sorry, uh, the Flying Monk Ground. And it was a win for Westbury, uh, a 3-1 win. Uh, goals from Jordan Pinder, George Bendel and Matt Jones giving them the uh, the impressive win away from home.
1: Portishead Town entertained high-flying Cheddar and uh, the Cheese Men's good runner form continued.
2: Yeah, and then on uh, top of the table following this 2 nil away win winner, uh, Portishead, uh, it, got, it was good for them early with uh, Alan Jones scoring after just two minutes and then uh, super sub, as he seems to be at the moment, Callum Ham wrapping up the points uh, with a goal nine minutes from time
1: and I caught up with Jared Greenhouse, the manager of Cheddar, to get his thoughts on topping the table, his aspirations for the season. But I started off by asking about that impressive victory at Portis Head.
0: Yeah, any win really away from home is a good win. You know, it's like in this league, I think, um you've seen with the results that have gone previously, um, I think the teams uh, in, the, in Division 1 are pretty well matched, and you know whether or not you're the top, middle, or bottom. I think every
1: game is pretty tough, to be honest. You've been in very good form of late. Um, you've been coming up on the rails. I've seen every week. Um, was it always your intention this season to to aim for top spot in the division? Since I took over a couple uh, three years ago, the aim has been to progress each year. Um, we did that last
0: year. We finished we lost two out of the last three games and we didn't get promoted by five points so this year the idea was to finish in that top three or four and maybe push for promotion I think we had the squad to do it um, kept all our players together so the the aim at the beginning of the season as always was to progress and from fifth last year the progression really was to, to try and get into the top two and get promoted we had a difficult start to the season um, we had a uh, because it was our first year in the FA Cup, we had we had a lot of games um, at the beginning of the season, front end of the season. We picked up a inordinate amount of injuries. So we had at one point, I think, 12 first-team players injured. Um, so it gave us a bit of a, a, a tricky start. To be honest, but I think once we got our players back all fit and we got into October, uh, we started picking up the results. And you know, we gave everyone a head start, really. I think. Um, and we've had to work really hard to get back into at least in put ourselves in a position where we could possibly get promoted.
1: Well, you, you, you did yourself a big favour earlier in the month when you beat Canesham at home. Um, Canesham have gone on a sticky run of form that's enabled you to reel them in. But I noticed in the fixtures coming up. You've got Hengrove um, at Bowden's Park. You're also away to Wellington. Um, Your future is very much in your hands, isn't it? Yeah, we worked hard to get us into this position
0: because obviously we were relying on other teams' um, dropping points. Um, we just had to keep winning. I mean, it's difficult. We haven't been beaten in the league since October, beginning of October, which was Canesham were the last team to beat us when we played over there, which is always difficult on a 3G. So we, we have gone on a long run which uh, without being beaten. With regards to Canesham game um, and the Portishead games, there is a big conflict I think we controlled the Canesham game really, really well. We never looked. We had, you know, we had quite a few players out, so I was a bit nervous about it. But we controlled the game start to finish, really, and never looked in any bother. I think against Head it was a completely different game. Same result, but a completely different game. They're probably not quite the ability of Canesham, but they had a lot of players that were motivated. Um, motivated to get a result against us and they chased us down and they ran for 90 minutes. Whereas I think against Keynesham, I think they, to be honest, we shut them down very easily. And, as, and once we got on top of them, they were, um, they didn't really have an answer to us. And that's, you know, I thought Keynesham got some really good players. I mean, I think they got some really good, um, talented players. But, you know, there was a big contrast between the two games, even though the results were pretty much the same. <laughs> You know, we've got to the top of the table now, but I would say that, um, as you said, Hengrove and Wellington we've got coming up are a very good side, um, and um, you know they'll come to us and they'll give us a really good game. I'm um, hopefully and they, they're well structured, which I think when, when we play a well structured team, we can you know we, we find a way to combat that. We've got some very good, intelligent footballers, so we, we tend to do well against Hengrove in the past. Um, Wellington's a different thing. We've got to go away to Wellington on a Wednesday night, and anyone's played down there, it's they have a, a, a big advantage at home. I think. Because of the, you know, just the the pitch that they play on, um, they're used to it, um, and they're a hard-working side with some good talented young lads. Um, so yeah, it is in our hands, but I think it's I think it's still massively up for grabs. I wouldn't put us as favourites. I think I think Wellington still have the upper hand, although they're just a point behind us. Um, and Hengrove have been on an unbelievable run. I think they've five games. Uh, they won the last five games quite a canter really so they're obviously in big you know good form um, Wellington a little bit sticky on form but to be honest you know they've got some you know uh, a lot of fixes at home the last 10-12 games so I think we're we're in there with a shout um, by put us as favourites
1: but you are confident this season you'll go up to the Premier Division
0: yeah I'm quietly confident I think if our players perform the ability that they've got um, and we keep our heads Um, and and we plan correctly Um, you know I've got a really good number two um, and we plan correctly and they carry out um, the plan that we put in place for each game then I'm confident that we've got a chance definitely of getting promoted.
1: Um, I've had the pleasure of coming to your ground Bowden's Park um, I did a commentary a few years ago and uh, I must say that I, I think that the, um, it's probably one of the most picturesque football grounds uh, dare I say in the world let alone, um, uh, let alone in the Western League it's an incredible view it would be a thing I'm sure for the, for the community of Cheddar if you, if you can get promotion this season
0: When I came to the club um, one of the things I liked about it was that it's, um, it's, got, it's got a community feel to it um, so there's a lot of people that have been around the club for a long long time I think um, some some people over probably the last 10-12 you know there's a lot of people gone in, a lot of work gone into the club over the last 10-15 20 years um, and obviously I'm um, custodian at the minute of, of the first team Um, but I've also been involved in youth football as well and the youth football setup that we've got is great so we've got lots of young kids involved and I think that the more we can do that um, the more we can attract more people in we're certainly trying to engage more with the community as well Um, and hopefully like I said we've got Cheddar's a small um, a small village, but at the same time, there is an appetite for good sport there. So, you, you know. And I think that um, there's lots of people interested in sport. And I think the more we can engage in that, the more people we can get down there. I think we can put, you know, and, I, and hopefully the people of Cheddar are pretty proud of what they've got as a football team. You know, like I said, it was the first year we'd gone into the FA Cup last year, um, which sparked a lot of interest. And we are starting to pull more and more people in, which is kind of what the idea is and also trying to open our doors to the, to the community as much as possible so we, we offer the facilities out um, to local community you know we try and try our best put it that way to be part of the community as well as just a football club and it's a. you'll know uh, I'm sure you've been to lots of football clubs that are the same and I've been to a few where you know if you can get the local community involved you can get the kids involved and stuff like that then the the club grows and the club grows quickly and that's what we're we're aiming to do so you know if we can do our bit as a first team on the pitch um, and that helps grow the club then then that's what we want to do
1: One final question Jared it's a special time for Cheddar not just because of your success on the pitch but also you're celebrating as a football club a special anniversary Yeah so the club was founded in
0: 1892 um, so this year uh, starts the 125th year of the club being in existence so we've got a number of events planned for the 2017-2018 season so we're going to kind of let as many people know as possible um, and hopefully we're going to like I said if we can start if we can start the celebrations off with um, being promoted for the first time into Premier League I think that would be great Um you know I think it's one of those things where we've um, you know I think there's a, the Western, Western League's got some quite historic clubs actually when you look around um, you know some of the oldest clubs in the area and I think that um, I think it's quite important that where we're going we've still got to remember where we came from and there will be uh certainly more than a nod towards the people who have got the club into the position that they're you know that it was in when I took it over and hopefully we'll continue that on you know, it wasn't only a few years ago when we were in, as we say, in the Somerset County Leagues on, and below. So we've come quite a long way in a, in a short period of time. There's a lot of people have done a lot of good work to get us here. So hopefully we'll celebrate that and, and obviously some a nod to the heritage as well of the, of the area because obviously it's a, it's a very well, a world-renowned um, heritage site.
1: And another example of the curse of the podcast... Um... Radstock Town, the Miners, who have been in great form recently. And uh, unfortunately, they, uh, well, their good run of form ended at home to Hengrove.
2: They ran into the Hengrove bubsaw, Bub who are uh, uh, now up to fourth in the table. Uh, sorry, consolidate their position at fourth in the table. They're now only six points off the top of the league uh, following this 2-0 win. Uh, goals from Ace White and Joe Brimble helping them to a 2-0 win at the Southfield.
1: And finally, Wellington met Oldland Abertonians.
2: Yeah, Wellington, who were top before this, this weekend fixtures, have dropped second now following a two-all draw at home to Oldland. Uh, the visitors were 2-0 ahead, thanks to Danny Carter and Owen McCallum, before Wellington fall back uh, with two goals in the final 20 minutes from Jack Bryan and uh, Jack Taylor.
1: Well, Tom, uh, as I said at the top of the podcast, we've had an absolutely cracking weekend of fixtures in the Tool Station Western League. Looking ahead to the week coming, um, can you run us through the fixtures?
2: Of course, uh, there's plenty of midweek uh, action for our fans this week. Uh, on Tuesday evening in the Premier Division, we've got Gillingham Town hosting Cadbury East, and in the First Division, uh, Almondsbury UE versus Bishop Sutton. There's also a couple of Somerset FA Premier Cup ties, uh, Brislington and Keynesham. Uh, and then on Wednesday evening, uh, Buckland Athletic are back in league action to take on Cribs, uh, while Sherbourne take on Willand Rovers, and then in the First Division, uh, Oldland Af- Abertonians uh, versus the high-flying Hengrove Athletic and Wellington will look to get back to winning ways against Portishead Town uh, yeah and then we look ahead to next weekend uh, Saturday the 25th that'll be and uh, in the Premier Division there's a, a full set of fixtures uh, we have Ditton versus Buckland Athletic Bridport versus Hallam Bristol Manor Farm versus Gillingham Town Cadbury Heath uh, take on Wells City Chipping Sodbury host uh, Hinton Street who will obviously want to get back to winning ways Bradford Town travel to take on Clevedon Town. Cribs take on Up Town. Melchion uh, Town another home fixture for them against Woodland Roses. Uh, Shepton Mallet will host Longwell Green Sports, and shervon Town will take on Bridlington. And then in the First Division, we've got Bottomside Almondsbury U. E. taking on Shard Town. Bishop Sutton versus Ashton Backwell United. Uh, Oldland Abertonians will travel to Bishop's Lydiard. Uh, we've got Carlton Town versus Portsea Town. Uh, Cheddar uh, versus Armsbury Victoria, the informed and Park taking on Bradstock Town, and then we also have Caution Town versus Roman Glass and George, Hengrove Athletic versus Warminster Town, Caenchon Town versus Willing- Wellington Podmik, uh, Westbury United versus Welton Rovers, and Canton Town uh, versus Divided Town. Finally,
1: we look back on those sets of fixtures, particularly those at the weekend. Tom, which um, which are the standout games for you?
2: I mean, in the first division in particular, the fixture between Canesham and Wellington, a month or so ago, that would have been seen as a sort of maybe a title decider. Uh, Now both teams have sort of been out of form recently, and uh, the winner of this one, if there is indeed a winner, will be very much back in the title race, whereas the loser will probably be looking over their shoulder at Hengrove, obviously got two fixtures coming up this week, and uh, could you them in second position? And then also in the uh, Premier Division, I mean, Buckland, uh, can they... Rebound from this, uh, this setback in the in the cup. Uh, the home fixture on Wednesday night against Cribs uh, before a, a travel to Bitten. They'll be looking at definitely six points from those two fixtures, and if they can, they you never know they could catch Puster Manor Farm, who obviously, while well, being rampant at the moment, uh, but can do have two games in hand. So um, it's not it's not over yet.
1: That lead is looking pretty ominous at the top mm. of the Premier Division. We'll, cu- we'll come to that in a second, but if we have a look at the top of the First Division, it's incredibly tight up there. It's very exciting um, for those promotion places. Cheddar have come up on the rails. That's the sort of behaviour you'd probably expect of win Canton. Boom, boom. Mm. But they're, um, they're, uh, they're down in 10th on 44 points. But um, the, the real... Um, it's a four-horse race, I suppose, at the top of both divisions. Um, Cheddar on... Um, 67 points. They've played 31. Wellington have played the same game, one point less. Canesham 33, so that's two get uh, two games more. They're on 65, and then Hengrove played 30. They're on 61 points. So next uh, after Hengrove, you've got Bishop's Lydiard. They're 30 on 53 points. So there's that's the gap, and I I, I think that those those four um, probably um, are probably going to play out those promotion places themselves. We look at uh, the, the Premier Division and again that four horse race Manor Farm played 28 75 points, Street 28 64 points um, who have been setting the pace now? Buckland out the Vars, two games in hand. They've got 63 points. Win both of them, of course, that's 69. Um, still six points difference on Manor Farm. That's, you know, and, and the, in the form that they're in, they've only lost once this season. Of course, Manor Farm. You, you know, you find it very difficult to believe that that they could be caught. And Melksham Town now played 27, 62 points. Still uh, in the mix. Street still second. You know, Melksham could. Um, give them a run for their money but um, um, really it's looking like Buckland and Farm could be the two that played out at the top of uh, at the top of that table but still very exciting times particularly in the first division
2: Oh 100% there's uh, been a lot of jostling recently and I'm, I don't know if this is coming across in my uh, my reports but uh, Hengrove Athletic are definitely the team I've got my uh, uh, coming up on the rails somewhat. they've had seven defeats which is quite a lot for this time in the season but the 19 wins has got them got them in position to strike and they do have a game in hand on all their fellow promotion protagonists so if they can get that get that three points they are right in there with a shout of uh, automatic promotion
1: Tom, that's excellent. Thank you very much indeed for your time this week. As always, I know you've um, been well. You've been busy beavering away over the bulletin as well as the um, um, uh, the non-league um, paper. The bulletin's available, isn't it, on the Toolstation Western League website?
2: It's on the tab at the top of the Toolstation tool website, yeah.
1: And um, hopefully, um, we'll be able to see your words in the non-league paper as well.
2: Indeed, in the in the usual area, the the step five section. Big report on Bristol Farm versus Street.
1: Well, just to prove that um, I'm, I'm as capable of putting pen to paper as you are, um, there is a picture of my ugly mug promoting the um, the podcast in this week's um, Sunday Independent, for those of you who get that um, cracking uh, regional read, so um, if you want to know what I look like, um, then um, just so you can throw rocks at me, then um, uh, then, then I'm, uh, I'm in that paper, but... Um, well, for another podcast, that was looking back on a fantastic week of uh, Toolstation Western League football. Of course, we'll be back um, next week and when, um, when the action continues. But for me and from Tom, that's been your Toolstation Western League podcast. <laughs>